0: You're listening to The Bible Nerd Podcast, a weekly show where we're exploring the world of the Bible, helping you fall more in love with Jesus, and building a thoughtful defense for the Christian worldview. I'm your host, Steve Schramm. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome into another episode of The Bible Nerd Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to actually be continuing our series from Dr. Kurt Wise's book faith, form, and time. We only have uh, this one and then two more episodes left talking through to finish out this uh, series, and then we're just going to move on to some other uh, topics that I think would be awesome to to talk about. In this one, we want to cover what in the book he calls a a floating forest, okay? It's the floating forest theory. And as i have uh, studied a little bit about this um over the past couple years at various times i i think it's it's one of the most remarkable um suggestions and i guess you would say evidences of the success of young age creationist um science, or at least I should say the possibility of success and also just the nature of science in general. And so I'm really excited to talk about this topic. By the way, I wanted to thank you again. So this is the 201st episode of the podcast, and I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm giddy with joy. That is so fun. Um, so thankful that the Lord has allowed us to continue doing this for the past few years. And um I pray we'll continue doing it for years and years and years into the future. All right. So, a pre flood, antediluvian, you might say, floating forest. What's this all about? Well, I want to tell you the story of where Dr. Wise uh, really started going down this road. And by the way, there is a YouTube video that you can check out if it's still out there of him teaching a lecture at Truett McConnell University where for sure he will do a better job explaining – well, telling the story, uh, but also at explaining the science – than I will hear. So basically what I want to do is I want to really point you to it. I want to like give you the outline and give you the basics of what's going on here. And then I'm going to uh, put this video up if I can find it again in the show notes so that you can go check that out if you'd like to and hear it from Dr. Wise himself if that sounds good to you. So Dr. Wise was puzzled by something in the evolutionary order of fossils as he was Studying as a student in Harvard and as he continued in his scientific career, he was always rather impressed with how the evolutionary order of things, um, especially as it relates to the plants um, in the primary rocks and also uh, some of the animals, uh, showing up in primary rocks um, he was always impressed with how the evolutionary story seemed to um, explain the order that we actually uh, found now of course, Dr. wise doesn't believe that story of course he believes the the creationist story, but it was always sort of disheartening that like you know you did in these rocks see evidence of a Uh, Of a world where you had animals that were a little bit more um, amphibious in nature. In other words, they were uh, were a, a, a cross between what you might see dwelling on land and also what you might see dwelling on water, but yet they didn't really map to any sort of modern species that we would know or be able to point to today. And also you saw uh, plants in places, like particular kinds of plants, where you maybe wouldn't expect to see them um, in a creationist uh, worldview, but the evolutionary worldview, it sort of makes sense. And this uh, puzzled him and also discouraged him. And what he does is he tells the story, though, of uh, Abraham and Sarah. Of course, as you know, Abraham and Sarah um were faced with a really interesting proposition from God that they were going to be blessed with child. And their first reaction was kind of like, Alright, come on, God. Like, we're too old for this. You know, we ain't gonna be having no kids. And um and of course, you know, their faith was actually so small in that regard, uh, that Abraham went and, and had um Ishmael with with Hagar and you guys know the story. Well, um eventually God did provide. Uh, God did provide through Sarah that son. Um, and, and by the way, God is still making good on his promise to Abraham, that initial Abrahamic covenant still in the process of coming true today. Okay. It is happening. It came before our very eyes. And what an amazing thought what an, and what an amazing thing. So the point is sometimes God is going to ask you for belief in the face of a lack of evidence, okay? God is going to ask that to just, to just map our circumstances onto Abraham and Sarah for a minute. God is going to ask that you trust that he can give a 100-year-old woman a brand new little baby and use for his purposes, even when it doesn't seem like that's going to be able to happen at all. And so in, in Dr. Wise's circumstance, you know, again, being being one like we do, who, who truly believes in the young age creationist understanding of history, in the biblical, you know, telling of the flood stories and all of that, um, even when it looks like the evidence is pointing a different direction, our job is to believe what the Word of God says. And so the question is, what is your ability to believe something and hold out? Um, until the answer comes. Is that possible? Is that something that we could do? And this floating forest theory was exactly this sort of thing for Dr. Wise. He wasn't really sure how it was going to come together, but he says, nevertheless, Lord, I believe you. I trust you. And I think we'll have the answer to this one day, even if we don't have the answer to this now. And the answer came to him while considering what is apparently called a quaking bog now you can look these things up they're in the upper midwest of the united states i've never seen one personally um but um these quaking bogs are floating vegetation mats um and their outer edges are made up of aquatic plants okay so they're floating vegetation mats that you can sort of like you know again they're floating but you can like stand on them and jump on them and all this and the outer edges are made up of aquatic plants um And they expand the edge of that mat by apparently what are root-like extensions called rhizomes. And then farther in from the edge of the mat, where the plants have been growing for some time, those rhizomes are so dense that they capture a bit of the soil uh, in which very small land plants can grow. And then he says here that even further in, When the mat gets thicker and it's been there longer, enough soil accumulates for even larger plants to grow. And eventually, you can even get, um, uh, you know, like like a forest, like trees and a home for animals and all kinds of things can can develop. So it can be this entire separate, complex ecosystem um, that is entirely separate from any actual land around it. Um, that just happens by the very nature of of what it is and how everything becomes intertwined and the root systems develop and it creates a floating map. So this sort of ecosystem led Dr. Wise to to think about a a biome in the um, antediluvian world, which is the pre-flood world, that would essentially be something. Like this. And as he formulated it and and worked in the thoughts of others, it became known as the floating forest theory. And this floating forest theory suggests that there was a uh, probably just one very large ecosystem, this floating forest, somewhere in the pre flood world that. Um, was obviously destroyed and broken up by the flood. And depending on how large it was and this, that, and the other thing, this would help account for those inconsistencies or those problems, rather, that Dr. Wise saw with the evolutionary order of things. Okay. So it's if the evolutionary order explains it, let's say 85 to 90%, um, the floating forest theory actually ended up explaining, say, 90 to 95%. So this one hypothesis based on something in the real world, real world visual data that we have, if this is true of the antediluvian world, then it makes sense in a creationist framework of the order of fossil animals and plants in the primary rocks. It's really, really Incredible. And I want to tell you, I just want to walk you through um, the six or seven lines of evidence that he gives here um, to talk about what that floating forest theory would mean for creationists. So first, um, it would have been destroyed during the flood, okay? So that means that um, nothing from that area, or at least most of the things from that uh, from that area would not have survived and actually what we find is that most of the land plants and the land animals from the primary rocks are extinct today so this makes sense buried and destroyed by the flood the floating forest biome the animals and the land plants that were part of that biome would no longer exist Second, the plants from the edge to the center would progress from being plants that loved water for obvious reasons to plants that um, needed less water in order to survive right because as the, as the plants move from aquatic to land plants, they don't need nearly as much water um and the divisions of plants that are in the primary rocks that we find show that exact pr- progression from plants that require standing water for reproduction to those that need less standing water and less as we go on. So, the evolutionary order explains this, but now we also have something in the creationist framework, a floating forest, that would explain this as well. The third thing that he mentions is that the plants in the primary from the bottom up show a progression from short to tall, okay, from short to tall. And this is exactly what is true, of quaking bogs today. So if we had a floating forest in the antediluvian world that resembled those quaking bogs that we see today, it would map to exactly what we find in the actual primary rock record. This is some cool stuff, okay? Fourth is that uh, most plants that are uh, found in the primary don't actually have true roots, okay? It's more like rhizomes root-like structures that seem to be incapable of penetrating true soil but that they would be um, able to intertwine with the rhizomes of other plants to create that floating forest that mat of vegetation that's what we find in the primary rocks that's what's posited in the uh, floating forest theory and that's what we find in the actual quaking Bogs as well Okay, fifth, many of those plants, especially the large ones, are hollow. We have hollow plants in the primary, and the rhizomes, like, so their little branches, um, and even their main trunks contain these super large cavities as if the entire plant was designed to weigh less for the purpose of floating, okay? So it's hollow, so that it weighs less than other sorts of plants do, um, so that if it floated, it wouldn't sink. So it makes a lot of sense. Sixth, the most common rhizome in the coal plants, which is called stigmaria, is hollow, circular in cross-section, and large in diameter. So it departs in right angles to the surface of the rhizome in every direction, and around it are small, hollow rootlets. Now, neither the rhizomes or those rootlets seem to be designed at all to penetrate soil, but they are similar to the smaller-scale root-like structures of several plants that float in water right so they um like why would these plants be expected that they lived or that they that 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 they lived on regular soils it looks like they couldn't have so um but they could have again intertwined with those other rhizomes and they look like the the structures of other plants that already float in water so it seems like we have a correlation between those two and then lastly is the um, the animals that are actually preserved in the primary sediments are very large amphibians that get this. This is so cool. They seem to be morphological intermediates between fish and land animals. Now, what is a morphological intermediate? Okay, well, this is what a lot of times you hear about uh, what's called transitional fossils. Well, that's actually a, an imprecise term to use if you're a creationist because that The very terminology assumes evolutionary thinking, okay? But if you're a creationist, you can recognize that you have what seem to be morphological intermediates between different types of animals, fish animals and land animals. Animals like this would be designed to live in the sorts of pools of water that would be scattered along the floor of this kind of floating forest. So it's the exact bright kind of animals that would live in this environment. And they are in the ecologically intermediate position between sea and land that, of course, such pools would afford. So the floating forest biome must have been absolutely beautiful, must have, had the, uh, must have been the perfect environment for these sorts of animals and these sorts of plants. And here's what's cool about it. Like, we're not making this stuff up, okay, in, in one sense. Now, in one sense, we are. And, and the sense in which we're making it up is the sense in which we can't know for certain because it was before the flood, but it's a hypothesis. And that's all scientists are doing anyway. Right there, they're putting these hypotheses out there, and then if the data aligns well with it and, um, you know, misaligns with other data, uh, then the more accepting of a hypothesis that you can be. And that's exactly what's going on here. Yes, this is a hypothesis. No, we can't prove it with some sort of uh, certainty. What it means, though, is that this data that was previously very difficult to explain is now something that within a creationist framework we can explain so the evolutionary order of plants and animals in the primary rocks is known to us and it's something that makes sense if the floating forest theory is true and this has other implications as well for things like coal production etc um that, would, uh, that it helps explain. If you check out the video that I'm going to go ahead and link to you in the show notes, again, you'll see just a great video that talks about all of these different cool things and um, Dr. Wise pulls a great example out of it of, of just being able to have faith and wait and be patient until the Lord reveals to you what needs to be revealed. All right, I hope this has been informative. Uh, another episode here in our series on Dr. Wise's book, Faith, Form, and Time. Again, we're gonna have two more episodes in this series, and um, and then we'll, we'll be done with it and move on to some other things. But I thank you for listening in. I hope you found it helpful. Go check out that video. Hey, one more ask for you. If you listen this far, please don't turn off yet. I would love for you to please go leave a review on your favorite review platform or on, on, you know, whatever, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, where Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening. Please go leave a review so that other people can find the podcast and also other people can find out whether the podcast is something that they are going to enjoy once they come upon it. Okay. I love you guys. Thank you so much for being in this community. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast and we'll see you in the next episode.